0: Genesis and chapter 11, and we read uh, the first nine verses. Genesis chapter 11. The whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they found a valley in the land of of Shina and settled there. They say to each other, Come. Let's make oven-fired bricks. They used brick for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. Then the Lord came down to look over the city and the tower that the humans were building. The Lord said, if they have begun to do this as one people all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it is called Babylon. For there, the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there, the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. It's a very interesting passage that we have in Genesis chapter 11. And often when we read this passage we tend to sort of make fun of these uh, ancients as they were trying to make perhaps what we might now call their first sky scraper. Um, but it is an, a very very significant Passage. Bear in mind that this is the after the flood. Remember that there was the flood that engulfed the entire world. And then Noah was the only person that was uh, rescued from that flood, and through Noah and his sons, the Lord began to populate the earth once again and what we find interesting here is that as soon as the population of the world begins to increase, the human beings begin to live a life that is godless, a life in which they totally don't want to have anything to do with God their creator. Now remember that the reason why God sent the flood in the first place was because of sin and now after that judgment, post that flood, you would have expected that human beings would have learned a lesson that they need to get back to God in repentance and Cry to him for mercy, but that is not what we find. We find that human beings are continuing in a life of rebellion against their creator. And, And that's what I want us to think about this evening. Now, the first thing I want us to notice here is the reason given to us why human beings decided to build this city and to build this tower or to build this skyscraper. And I think as we continue to think about that, it is vital for us to remember that uh, the attitude that is being displayed here before us is not a strange attitude at all. It is, in fact, an attitude that we are all very familiar with. It's an attitude that we probably, if we look in our lives, we can very easily identify. Here, the Bible is teaching us or the Bible is reminding us, here is a group of human beings who have decided to make a city or to build a civilization in which God has no place, in which they do not consult him or think about him or really ask themselves, is this what God would have us do? So the main thrust of the passage Speaking to us in the 21st century, it's reminding us that that attitude that was motivating these people to raise a civilization, to raise a a way of life in which God is not at the center. That is the message of Genesis and chapter 11 to us. And if you think about it in in those tense, then you begin to see that what is happening here, in fact, is not something strange to an ancient people who are trying their hands at making a skyscraper. What is happening here is that rebellion that all of us, born from Adam, know very well in our lives. Experience. It's a a way of organizing your life, a way of uh, living your life, not having any consideration for God and His Word. So, the thing about Babylon or Babel, it's a city in which Human beings are living as if there is no God. And they are making a city for themselves without any consideration of the almighty God. Now, there are two things there that the passage tells us that are motivating them. The first thing is a desire for significance in this life a desire for significance. They want to build a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Why? Because they want to make a name for themselves. To make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered throughout the earth. But look at that first reason, first and foremost. That they are looking for significance. They are looking for meaning. They are trying to ask themselves the question, who am I? Why am I here? And the answer is that I am here to make a name for myself. And so, motivated by that desire for significance in this world, they begin Tower and the city. But there's also a second reason. And the second reason that we find there is that they did not want to be scattered throughout the entire world. Now, if you remember before the flood, in fact, in the Garden of Eden, that was God's command. God's command was to subdue the earth, to fill the earth to go everywhere. Now, these human beings here, they they say no, that's not a good idea. If we scatter, we will be vulnerable. The thing for us to do is to bind up together, bunch up together, build this city so that we can be safe. In other words, they are looking for security looking for security, but they are not scattered, and thus become vulnerable. Now if you think about it, those are the things that sin has brought into our lives. Those are the things that sin has brought into this world, this meaninglessness in life and this feeling insecure because of sin. Remember that when God created man, he created him in such a way that he would only have meaning if he has a right relationship with his creator. And also, God created man or human beings in such a way They'll only have security if they have a right relationship with their creator. They love him with all their hearts. They love him with all their soul, mind, and strength. Then they will be secure in that kind of society. But because they have rebelled against God and they have decided to living for self, they find that meaninglessness in life and they also find that they are actually vulnerable. If you remember, before the flood, one of the reasons why God destroyed the world was not only was that men and women had gone astray, the Bible says that there was an increase in violence in the world there was an increase in violence and God said he was going to put an end to this and this is exactly what is going on here is that they begin to see that because of insecurity as a result of sin They think that the solution is in their technology because they are such a a technologically advanced group of people. They can solve this problem of insecurity by building this city and building this tower and all will be well. Does not that remind us of our own world in which we live? Are we not guilty of relying too much on technology? And we think that we are so smart and uh, with the technology that we have today, we can solve all our problems. Now we are talking about chat GPT. I don't know how many of you have looked at this new form of technology that has come, and it promises to change the whole world. Everything that we know today is going to be different because of artificial intelligence. And if we rely on those things, we are behaving in exactly the same way these people we find in Genesis and chapter eleven. Now it's interesting because if you look at that passage, it says in verse three they say to one another, Come, let us make fired bricks, let us use brick for stone, and that's what for mortar. Let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. This is what they said. These human beings, they were smart. They were ambitious. They had technology. And they were going to solve all the problems that their world was facing by building the city of Babylon. But then, it's interesting what we find in verse 5. They are busy saying things. We find in verse 5 that the Lord is also busy saying some things that are absolutely important. Verse verse 5 tells us, The Lord came down, to look over the city and the tower that the humans were building. The Lord said, now you have to read that in light of what the men were saying. The men were saying in verse 4, if you go a little there, let us make, build ourselves a city and a tower. And then In verse 5, the Lord, and verse 6, the Lord came down and came to inspect what they were doing. And the Lord said, if they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible. And look at the way he puts it in verse 7. Come, Let's go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So they have their ambition to build a city, to build a civilization in which God has no room, God has no place. To them, God is irrelevant verse 7 tells us he comes down and he intervenes in their activities so then as far as the response of God is concerned what we see there is that although human beings are not interested in God God is interested in human beings. Remember that they are created in his image and he intervenes in their affairs. What we learn from that intervention from God? Well, this. The decisive hand in human affairs is not smart human beings. The decisive hand in human affairs is always God. So it doesn't matter what your plans are as human beings, what matters is what God has decided. Is going to happen. That is what will happen. And these human beings here that we are reading about, that's the lesson that they learned. This is really, if you like, the rebuke that God is giving them. That although they ignore him, although they they totally exclude him from their thinking and their calculations. His decision is the most decisive in all human affairs. In fact, the whole of human history is a record of God's gracious interventions in many, many times in history. That although human beings make plans and they decide to do things, it is only what God has in fact decided from all of eternity that comes to pass. And so what finally happens is that uh, this plan is frustrated, this city is abandoned, and this project comes to a grinding halt. And it comes to a grinding halt because God has graciously intervened. Now, why did God intervene? Well, God intervened because, if you think about it, left to themselves, there was no other alternative. What this was going to lead to was another judgment from God. So what does God do God intervenes in order to restrain them from engaging in a sinful lifestyle that they were going to engage in had he left them to themselves. So he intervenes. He confuses their language because he wants to restrain their sin. He wants to put a check on their depravity. Yes, they are sinful, they are fallen, but he does not want to allow them to sin to the nth degree. He puts a stop. He puts a restraint on them. And notice here what is even more interesting is that they were all speaking one language. They were all united but they were united in sin. And that is what God is going to break, that solidarity in sin. And he does it by confusing their language. So he confuses their language because he wants to restrain them from falling headlong into sin and therefore incurring upon themselves a worse judgment from God. This is how God intervenes. He intervenes decisively to put a stop to this madness because although they are united, although they have solidarity, it is unity and solidarity in rebelling against God. And so God intervenes to restrain them. And this is what has made life possible in a depraved world. What has made life possible in a depraved world are the restraints of God's common grace. And God has been restraining human beings again and again and again. Because if he left them to themselves, civilization worth talking about. There have been those incidences where God has left a group of people to themselves and they become Sodom and they become like Gomorrah and then God has no choice but to come and mete out his punishment on them. So what happens in in Genesis chapter 11 is a gracious intervention to stop human beings in their tracks as they are rushing headlong into sin. Now, notice that they were building a city and God puts a stop to it. And then in chapter 12, God chooses a man. His name is Abraham. And when you read about Abraham in Hebrews in chapter 11, we are told, what was Abraham looking for? He was looking for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. So God put a stop to that city Then he was going to build a city for his people. If you like, the Bible is a story about two cities. It's a story about the city of Babylon which ends in catastrophe and failure. Then there's a city that God is building the city of God and that is the city (coughs) for the people of God. And then what is also significant (coughs) is that we notice on what we call the day of Pentecost that God reverses the curse of Genesis chapter 11. See, here, God brings confusion and there are many languages. People can't understand each other because they were talking about the activities of men. But then when we come to the New Testament, as Christ has come as the redeemer of God's people, he dies on the cross, he is raised from the dead on the third day, and he ascends back to the Father And he sends the Holy Spirit who comes down on the day of Pentecost. And the first thing he does is to make sure that they all hear, not the works of men, they hear the wonderful works of God in Jesus Christ, our Savior. So God then begins to reverse that curse because that curse is reversed in the cross of our Savior and Redeemer the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very interesting story. It reminds us that God is still in control even when human beings have rebelled and continue to rebel against God, that he graciously intervenes to restrain them from becoming a monstrosity of sin that they would become, left to themselves. Then he begins his project. His project is to redeem humanity, to create a new humanity in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And in the fullness of time, the Savior comes and he goes to the cross and now God begins the process of gathering his people in. Remember the promise of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I am the good shepherd. And those who are his people, they hear the voice of the shepherd and they come in. And speaking in his own day to the Jews, he says, other sheep I have, not just those who are of this sheepfold, referring to the Gentiles. Even they must come in, so that at the end of the day, they will all come into the city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. The question that you must ask yourself, which city do you have affinity for? Which city are you craving for? Are you one of those who is convinced human ingenuity and technology is going to fix our broken world? That you're gonna spend your time, and your resources investing in human ingenuity and technology? Or are you one who has seen it all? You can say there is nothing, there is no one who can fix this broken, sinful world except the Lamb of God who takes away our sin relying on him. I'm trusting in him. And he is the one who is going to fix this broken world. Belong to that city that he is making. I'm looking like Abraham for that city that will come from God. So as you face this new week, and as you face the trials of life remember that question which city are you looking for which city are you a citizen of which city do you love Babylon project that is doomed to fail or the city with foundations whose builder and maker is God. And remember, the only way in which you will have significance in this world, the only way you are going to have security in this world is not to be preoccupied with yourself, preoccupied with Christ Remember how the Apostle Paul puts it. And he died. So that those who live may no longer live for themselves but for him who died and was for their sake raised from the dead. If you want significance, if you want security, you must be preoccupied with Christ. Loving Christ pursuing Christ living for Christ if you live any other way your life is going to be empty and just like Babel or Babylon your project one day will come to a screeching halt and you will lose everything The Lord Jesus Christ himself put it this way. If you live for this world, you're going to lose your life. If you lose your life for my sake, you're going to get it. So let this passage then be a warning to you, a warning to me, not to invest in Babylon for the city that's yet to come. Amen. Let's pray. A gracious and loving Father, we thank you for your word that you have meticulously preserved for us. And we thank you for the story of Babel, how it speaks to us here in the 21st century. And we ask that in the light of this, your word, we will be a people who truly die to self and give our lives completely to live for Christ. That we might be able to say, for me to live is Christ. Grant us, we beseech thee that we might love you sincerely, that we might love you dearly and seek To give our lives and resources for Christ, for his honor, and for his glory. We ask in his precious name.